Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It's called Praying Like Jesus. Now, I think we can all agree this morning we're in church together, so we can agree that Jesus is a pretty good example to follow. Is that right? Yeah, Jesus is the one that we want to follow. We can look at people in our world. You know, Paul's brought up a, a great man of faith, statesman of the faith, D.L. Moody, and we love to talk about men like, men like that or, or, or women that have achieved great things in the faith. But while the Apostle Paul is amazing, while King David is great, while it's great to read the words of King Solomon, Jesus is the best example. Jesus is perfection. When we read Jesus, we see perfection. When we talk about Jesus, when we hear about Jesus, when we read the words and the actions and what Jesus did, you, you don't have to question, oh, is that the right thing to do? Because Jesus is perfection. He is perfect. So today, we're going to continue this conversation around John 17, around praying like Jesus. I think John 17 is amazing because we have what seems like a whole account of one of Jesus' prayers. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You know, what would you give to, to earwig on one of Jesus' prayers? But we get to do it in John 17. We have a manuscript of what Jesus himself prayed. And in this prayer, Jesus even prays for you and me. Let's have a look at verse 20. It says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, the disciples that were right there and then with him, but also... For all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's me and you. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Hey, if we want to take this world for Jesus, it's not going to come from being disunited. It's going to come through unity. Where there is unity, he commands the blessing. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. The perfect example of unity. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I think it's pretty cool that we are reading probably the first prayer for you and me. Before we were even conceived, Jesus prayed for us. That those who would believe the message of the apostles, he's going to pray for us as well. We are reading the first prayer for us. And you might have had grandparents pray for you. You might have even been blessed to have great-grandparents pray for you. You might have had the person over the street pray for you. You might have had your colleague at work pray for you. But this is the first prayer for you. Jesus' prayer. Do you know what's cool about this as well is that Jesus is still praying for you today. The Bible says that he sits next to God and he's interceding for you. So when you're going through that problem, when you're going through that situation, I want you to picture this, that Jesus, Jesus is here and he's like, God, come on for John today. God, come on for Nathan today. God, come on for Paul today. That's powerful. But you might say, oh, you know, Josh is praying. You know, people come and ask me to pray for him after service. That, that's great. I want you to know my prayers aren't more powerful than like Craig and Sandra's at the back there. But I want you to tell you Jesus' prayers are powerful. And he is praying for you. He's interceding for you at the right hand of God. So we know that Jesus is pretty good at prayer. And we'd all agree that Jesus is the perfect model. But where prayer seems so natural to Jesus at times, so easy 
It comes so easy. It rolls off his tongue. At times we find prayer awkward and clunky and a challenge. Is that fair to say? This is because prayer is a conversation with someone. And that someone being God. With Jesus. With the Spirit. It's about communicating with a person. And when you start any relationship, at times it's clunky. At times it's hard. At times it's a challenge. You don't know. You don't want to step on anyone's toes, do you? You maybe don't want to share the fullness of who you are because you're scared that, oh, they might, do they agree with those political views? Do they agree with where I stand on this situation? Do you understand? It can be clunky, can't it? It can be hard when you start a relationship with somebody. And some of us have never got past that awkwardness of relationship. So still a year later, five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, we've never pushed through the clunkiness and got to intimacy. Because discipline, it leads to delight. And as we discipline ourselves to seek God, to come before God, it turns into delight so quick. As you follow him, as you seek him. The Bible tells us that it actually takes faith to pray. It takes faith to believe that God hears. Is that right? It takes faith to wake up in the morning, maybe a bit early, especially at the moment when it's freezing cold. We're all being a bit more careful with the thermostat. You're waking up like, come on now, <laughs> let's get going. It takes faith to pray. It takes faith to seek God. So I'm sure you've had examples of this in your life where you've started that relationship. Maybe it's with a spouse or a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a close friend that at the start it was like a bit hard, but now it's so easy. And now what you can do is you can not just talk in the presence, but you can sit in the presence. Yeah, yeah. And you can just be. Yeah, and there's no pressure to say something. There's no pressure to always talk. Actually, we can be quiet together. We can just be together. At the start of the Bible, it says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. What's that saying? It's, a, it's not a walk to get anywhere. They weren't saying, oh, no, we've got to go and do this. We've got to go and do that. It wasn't a walk for fitness. It was a walk for enjoyment and pleasure. It was an, a walk to be together. So right at the start of the Bible in Genesis, God outlines what he wants to, to do with humanity. He wants to walk with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to have relationship with us. And not always for a purpose, just to be. Just to be. You, when you first get to know somebody, you're finding their hopes, their dreams, who they are. You're finding what makes them tick, what makes them come alive. And this is all the pleasure of getting to know someone, actually. This is the joy and the enjoyment of getting to know someone. I've been married to my wife for 11 years. And uh, I think I'm pretty sure it's 11. 2011, yes, that's right. <laughs> coming up to 12 this year, and I'm, I'm still finding out things now. Now, the, the learning curve is, is less than it was, but I'm still finding out things now from our relationship. And I'm well aware this morning of the different experience that we have in, in prayer in this congregation. There are people who have been praying far longer than I've been alive. People who have gone to great depths, and I'm so 
glad actually about our, our older generation. We have a, a prayer meeting here on a, a, every other week on a Tuesday. And we have a, a great group of prayer warriors. And some of those are, are our older generation who have built a deep well of prayer. And I've said to them, we need your spirit in my generation as well. So if you're my generation this morning, come on, we need to pick that up. Why don't you get around one of, one of these older generations and say, hey, why don't you teach me to pray? Why don't, can I just hear one of your prayers? Can I just sit in your presence when you pray? Because I want to tell you, they pray with passion. They pray with power because of the presence. And that is what happens when we get to know God. We, we actually pray from his heart. We pray in his heart. We pray with his heart. And I don't want to remain there this morning. But what I do want to do before I move on in sort of presumption or whatever, I do want to give those people who don't currently have a daily rhythm of prayer some help to kickstart or restart their prayer life. Is that okay? Yeah? yeah? Uh, my best, my, my best uh, way of, of phrasing this is to get a place and to get a pace. To get a place of prayer and to get a pace of prayer. See, I've found that place and pace are, are really important. A place where you go to connect with God. If you read about Jesus, you'll see that he had a place of prayer. It says he often went on a, a mountain to pray or he went to solitary places to pray. Jesus didn't just, you know, think, oh, you know, I'm walking around here. So I feel I'm a bit down today. I need, God, you know, I need a tenor, God. God, give me a tenor. No, there's a time and a place for those prayers. We all know that. Yeah, there's a time and a place for like SOS prayers. I, I'm in trouble. I need help. But that shouldn't be the foundation of our prayer life. We need a place of prayer. I've had, a play, I've had a few different places across my, I guess if I'm being really honest, maybe since I was 16, I've been trying to like get this thing called prayer. And I've had different places. When I lived with my parents, it was like a room downstairs that was just out of the way, a quiet place. I've had the, um, the conservatory in coronavirus. That was my place. Um, at the moment, the sauna is becoming a bit of a quiet place for me. Everyone says, sauna, you've got to go to the sauna. Yeah, I like the sauna. In my pants, I'm there, sweating, talking to Jesus. Um, there was a period in my life where I was going for a run every day in nature and just connecting with God in an amazing way. A place of prayer. A place. But prayer also needs a pace. There needs to be a pace. And uh, William Wilberforce, the, the great um, member of, of parliament, I mean, God, we need more William Wilberforces to raise up today. He said this, of all things, God against neglecting God in the secret place of prayer. You have to have a secret place. But then we talk about pace. And if you've ever ran before, if you've ever ran any distance, we've got Timmy over here who's running like, I don't know, 30 something miles a week at the moment. If you have ever ran any distance, you'll know this, that you have to pace yourself. If you want to complete the race, you, you have a pace. If you want to do a marathon, if you want to do a half marathon, you don't just go out there and run as quick as you can. Because the reality is, while you'll beat everybody to the first mile, you won't be able to make the 26th mile. Because you have no pace. So we have to have a pace of prayer if we want to last the length of lifetime. What does that look like? It looks like you setting a time, a, a meeting with God. Oh, God, I, I, 15 minutes at 
half an hour at 7 a.m., 45 minutes at, at 7.30 a.m. The, the, the time is dependent on where you're at right now. I don't want you to praise you can't. I want you to praise you can. You know, if I went and tried to go for a run with Mo Farah, <clears throat> I'd be out of my depth. I couldn't run the pace that he goes. And it's the same with prayer. Some of you, you, you've maybe not got a rhythm of prayer. Put an hour in the diary, that might be a lot too much at the moment. But 15 minutes, you're going to build on that. And then what we have to do is this, we have to stretch ourselves. And this is what I've realized. And especially over coronavirus, I, I had this, I had this great um, discipline of prayer, this great routine of prayer, but it became stale. So what I had to do was start to stretch it and, and maybe break it and change it. And some of us here today, you might say, actually, Josh, I've got this pace of prayer, but I need to stretch it a bit. I need to go again. I need to stretch myself again. It's time to, to go a little bit longer. William Wilberforce, the same guy, <clears throat> bearing in mind he wasn't a, a church minister or a pastor. Um, he was a great man of God in the, you know, in the world of, of politics. He said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I read it in a book and I couldn't put my hand on the quote, but he said, um, I'm struggling because I've only had, I only get chance to have an hour of prayer in the morning. It shows you the depths of this man. And I really believe that if we want to be effective in our world today, it'll, be, it'll come from a foundation and a base of prayer. Just a point on time and the, the pace. I believe morning is so important. The Bible, because I used to do this teaching like in the, even back in the youth days, and um, people say, yeah, why the morning, Josh? And at the time, I'm like, yeah, sort of do it when you want. I do it in the morning. It just suits me. But the more I've, I've read the Bible, the more I've spoke about it, the more I've thought about it, the more I've prayed about it, the morning's important because the Bible is so clear about firsts. Yeah. Where you go first, yeah. you know, when it's your tithes, it's give the first 10%. Yeah. And I believe that the best thing you can do the start of your day is give the first to God. God, I commit this day to you. God, I need you in this day. And from a very practical point of view, and if you look at habits, I've read this book uh, on habits, which is really great. And one of the ways that we stay aligned in our day is by setting our intention at the start of the day. God, help me to be more like you today. God, help me to make a difference in my day. I believe that the start of the day is so important. I believe that you can actually set how the day is going to go at the start of the day. Have you ever woke up on the wrong side of the bed? And the rest of the day is just a nightmare because you've woke up on the wrong side of the bed. We've all been there, haven't we? You're like, everything's going wrong. It feels like I don't feel great. I've not had a great night's sleep. And, but I want you to know you can set your intention at the start of the day. You don't have to live by that. You can set the way you want the, um, the day to go. So we have to have a, a place and we have to have a pace. So today... We're talking about the whole idea of praying for ourselves. So in John 17, we see that Jesus prayed for himself. Now you say, Josh, I don't want to pray for myself. I don't want to look selfish. Give me a break. <laughs> it's so funny how we try and act really spiritual to God when he sees everything that's within us. Um, and like we are all experts in one thing. It's ourselves. We're really good at seeing everything from our standpoint standpoint and viewpoint is that right from where we are we're great at that I was talking to Paul about this the other day how uh, when when you get to know somebody 
you actually have empathy for where, from the outside, you might think, why are you doing that? But when you get to know them, you have empathy for actually, I know what they're going through. I know why they're in that situation. It makes a big difference. So we say this thing, oh, I don't want to pray for myself because that, that's selfish. And Jesus is like, I know how much time you think about yourself. <laughs> I, I know how much you're concerned with your own issues. And you know, part of that's okay. But God wants us to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for ourselves. And I'm going to go through this prayer of Jesus and hopefully by the end of it, you'll see why we need to pray for us. So John 17, verse 1 to 8. Funnily enough, at the start of this chapter, it starts with Jesus praying about himself. He says this. <clears throat> After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. He's saying, glorify me. So he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. Bear in mind he's talking about himself. He gives eternal life to each one you've given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on this earth by completing the work he gave me to do. Now Father, bring me into your glory. We shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. What, what a prayer of Jesus for himself. And we're going to dig into that in the, in the remaining time we have. But there are two extremes on, on praying for ourselves. And we did that whole season on balance. And when we pray for ourselves, balance is really important. Because the two extremes are this. Number one is I feel bad praying for myself, so I never do it. And the other one is I'm praying for myself all the time, but I pray for myself that much that it's not even prayer. I'm just worrying. I'm just anxious. I'm just being uh, caught up in my own desires. And I don't know about you, but if you prayed any amount of time, you've probably done both. Like you've probably been both sides of the scale. You prayed for yourself too much at some point, and sometimes you've not prayed for yourself enough. And both are error. Sometimes it can be easier to come on this side because it, it makes us feel self-righteous. Oh, I'm not going to pray for myself. That's error. It's error, it's wrong. So we want to be in the middle. We want to pray for ourselves. We want to pray for ourselves, but we don't want it to, to all be about us, do we? You know, if you're not careful when you're on this side, you can be so concerned. It can, you know, it can often be when you're going through something, when you're going through a season, when you're going through a tough time. You can be so caught up with your own needs and your own issues and your own problems yeah that prayer stops becoming prayer and it just becomes worrying. It just becomes moaning. It just becomes complaining. And you know that it's not prayer when you leave your prayer or your time worse than when you went into it. All you've done is worried, complained, moaned, and of course, prayer is to bring everything to God. We're commanded to make our requests known to God. 
But what we have to do is bring it all and lay it at his feet. To confess that he's bigger than it. To lay it down and say, God, your will be done. A few years I caught myself doing this in coronavirus. With probably the biggest challenge that I'd faced in my life to that point. I was worrying. I was whittling. I wasn't praying. One of those things where you go to bed thinking about it and you wake up thinking about it. You can't get away from it. So what I did for a season, instead of praying about, I can't remember how I came to the revelation, but what I did instead of even praying about the issue and the stuff that I was going through, I decided to just pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The perfect prayer includes prayer about yourself. But what I had to do to get away from the fear, anxiety, moaning, was to take it back to the word of God and to pray that prayer over my life, to let it go, to lay it at his feet. So we want balance when it comes to praying for ourselves, but we need to pray for ourselves. So let's have a look. Let's break down John 17 that we've just looked at. Verse one says this. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give the glory back to you. Now, the first line that Jesus prays here, it includes a contentious but important point when it comes to our prayer. Because Jesus says, God, glorify me. How many times have you prayed that prayer over your life? God, glorify me. No, because it seems wrong. Is that right? Like God, elevate me. But if you look, I'm, I'm going through the, uh, the Old Testament at the moment. And Genesis, you just see it. The people of God being blessed by God. They're not afraid to ask for the blessing. I mean, there were some funny things that went on with Jacob's blessing. But he was desperate to get the blessing. We need to pray for the blessing. We need to pray that God would glorify us in our world, that God would elevate us in our world, that God would elevate us in our jobs, that God would elevate us in society. Doesn't Matthew 6 say that? Or is it Matthew 5? When Jesus is saying, I am going to make you a city on a hill for all to see. I'm going to make you like a light. I'm going to put you on a light stand, so shine. If you're being put on a light stand, what's happening? You're being elevated. That's the essence of a disciple. We are here to make a difference. We are here to be influencers. So we need God to glorify us. We need God to bless us. The prayer of Jabez, the man called pain. Oh, that you will bless me indeed. That you enlarge my borders, that your hand would be upon me and that you would keep me from the works of my enemy. Come on. We need to pray the blessing of God over our lives. We need to pray the blessing of God over our families. We need to pray that God will glorify you in your work, that God will glorify you wherever you go. The reason William Wilberforce had the influence he had was because God had glorified him. If we want people who are going to, if we want our kids, you know, Mike is here and 
If we want our kids to make a difference in society, look, it's, it's great. It's great having a normal job. That's cool. And we can make a difference there. But we need to believe that God's going to glorify some of our children to the highest places of society. I don't believe that the world needs to have a, a stronghold on these places of influence. I believe the people of God should have a, a stronghold on the place of influence. Look at Joseph, who lived so well that God glorified him to the highest place on one of the most ungodly nations in history. What about Daniel? What did God do with Daniel, a man who set himself apart and he was raised? The Babylonian empire was horrendous and God raised Daniel to the highest place in that empire so he could make a difference. And the, and the leader of that empire ended up on his knees before God saying, the God of Daniel is the true God. We need people who are going to believe that God's going to bless us and that God's going to elevate us and that God's going to make a difference. That Emma sat over there and Dan is on tour at the moment. That's why I've always encouraged... I can remember when... Dan, you, you, a lot of you will know Dan and Emma. You might not know that Dan is like, like a world-known uh, musician in a, in a, in a world-known band. And I can remember when Dan was like... He had a part-time job and like struggling and stuff. Emma, yeah, that's right, isn't it? And... When he first started talking to me about that stuff, I said, God, God wants to use your gift. God wants to show it in this world in which we live. And it's the same for all of us. You need to be glorified in your work. You need to be glorified where you are. You need to be blessed where you are so God can use it. And that's what Jesus does here. We ask that we can be blessed so that we can be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are glorified to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus says. He says, God, glorify me so I can glorify you. That's got to be the heart of it. You never need to feel bad about praying that prayer. Because as we are glorified, then we can bring more glory to the name of Jesus. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? So come on, wherever you are, when you're believing for that promotion, where, where you're stuck in your career and you're not sure where to go, Pray that God will glorify you, that God would open up opportunities and say, God, as you open up the opportunities, I will continue to pour the praise back to you. It's time for the people of God to pray for the glory of God, the blessing of God. I need the blessing of God on my life. I have to have the blessing of God on my life. If I want to go where he's called me to go, I have to be blessed by him. It's simple. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I see it like, you know, you see the Olympics, it take, like they're going round and round the track and it takes them ages and ages to go round and round the track. But the straight path is like the 100 meters where, phew, and God can do that. When you get on the straight path, it's amazing how quickly people can be elevated. I love that. Let's move on to uh, verse 2 and 3 of, of Jesus' prayer because I could use all my time just there. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who, sent, who you sent to this earth. In this point of the prayer, Jesus has prayed to be glorified, and now he's reminding himself 
and God of his purpose. This is really important in prayer for ourselves to keep the focus on what God is calling us to do. Because if you're not careful, you start getting distracted by what's going on in Nathan's life or what's going on in Christine's life. Oh, well, Paul's been elevated. What's happening with me? But God's saying, no, no, focus on what I've given you. What did God say to Moses? I've just been reading this whole thing again, which is just a bizarre, bizarre story, really. Moses is like, he's a mess when, <laughs> when he, he encounters God at the burning bush. And... Um, God says to him, what is in your hand? Oh, but I can't speak well. What's in your hand? Stop looking at what others can do and start focusing on what God's given you to do. Start focusing on what's in your hand right now. I want to tell you this. This is a word for somebody who's been complaining about the situation. God will not move you on until you stop complaining. God will not move you on until you do the best where you are. What is excellence? It's doing the best you can with what you have. It's time to be excellent. I was speaking about this proverb, and it's just come back to me again. Again, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's somewhere like Proverbs 23 or something. I'll find out after the service if you've got a problem with that. But it's like, do you see a man who serves with excellence? He won't serve low-ranking officials. He will serve the king. If you work with excellence in what you do, I want you to tell you, God will exalt you. But what's key and important to remember is our purpose. And Jesus in this moment, he's he's talking about his own purpose to God in his prayer. God, you've given me this task to do. You've given me this authority. He's reminding himself of the gifts that God's given him. He gives eternal life to each one you've given him, talking about himself. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. Imagine praying that over yourself. Oh God, you've given me this gift to make a difference in this school and you sent me to this school. That's powerful. Instead of continually going to God saying, God, I've not got the gifts to do this. Like Sharon has, I've not. And I hate this school. It's a mess. It's a joke. The kids are always naughty. You're never going to get anywhere doing that. It's time to start saying, God, you've called me to this place. You've called me there for a reason. God, I've not got what they've got, but I've got gifts that you've given me. And I'm going to use the gifts that you've given me to make a difference in this world in which I live. You say, God, Josh, I don't know my God-given purpose. And not everyone does. That's all right. The way you find that is by using what's in your hand. It's by doing the best with what you have right now. You can have purpose in your day just by following the the ABCs of the Bible. What's God called you to do in this day if you've not got a purpose? Well, God's called you to be generous to those around you. God's called you to be a light where you are. It's simple. It's like in the Bible. Yeah. Let's move on. Verse 4 and 5. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Do you know that if we want to accomplish all that's within us, we can't do it on our own? We can only do it with the help of God, with the power of God. And Jesus here is saying, help me to accomplish the work. When we work with God, we can accomplish more than we ask, think, 
or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. That's Ephesians 3.20. More than you ask, think or imagine according to his power at work within us. Sometimes we think, yeah, I'll take the more than we ask, think or imagine and then we go and try and do it ourselves. No, that's not the verse. The verse is, more than we ask, think, or imagine, according to his power, a work within us. The way we get his power at work within us is by spending time in prayer. It's by laying down all of our, our bits, all of our, our, our hopes, our fears, our, our anxieties, all of our future. He's laying it down at his feet. I trust you with my path. I trust you with my purpose. I trust you with my plan. We won't leave a mark on this earth in our own strength. But I want you to know that with God, all things are possible. With God, Mansfield can be saved. With God, the sick can be healed. With God, those bound will be set free. With God, a generation can be changed. But it will be his power at work within us. So we have to pray for ourselves. We must pray for ourselves. We must pray for our purpose because our world needs you functioning in the bullseye of God's will and purpose for your life. And finally, verse 6 and 7, we see that we have to have an attitude of gratitude. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. Have you ever... (laughs) We pray, don't we? God, where's where's my money going? (laughs) God, what's up with my kids? The Bible's pretty clear that we are a steward of all we've been given. If anyone had an example to like go, like just leave this prayer out, it's Jesus because he's like God himself. But he says, I've I've revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. Wow. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have. Listen to this. Is a gift from you. Just imagine if you started seeing that. That pain is a gift. That, you know, that, pot, that, that job that's really hard is a gift. That relationship that is, is a bit dry at times is a gift. Sometimes the situation doesn't need to change, but we do. And as our, as our focus shifts, as we understand a bit better, as we see things a little clearer as we understand our purpose in a situation, as we understand that we're called to a situation, what, what became really hard can become quite easy because we realize why we're there and that we're there for a purpose. But Jesus here, he models an attitude of gratitude. He outlines that everything he has is, is from God. And this is so key when we pray for ourselves that we remember to thank God for what we do have. We don't just want to be what we don't have. We don't just want to be out there. God, thank you for what I do have. God, thank you for what you've given me. God, thank you that I'm not where I used to be. God, thank you that you've moved me forward. God, thank you that you're still with me. The Bible instructs us to make our requests known to God and we need to do that. Since the turn of year, I've been, I guess, more compelled, even before this message, which is amazing how God just lines things up, but I've been compelled to, to pray over some of my personal situ- situations and circumstances a bit more, be a bit more intentional about it. 
And it's just been a, 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 a you know, just a, felt a powerful um, moment, and it's just been a momentum. You know, sometimes there's a momentum with certain things that you do, yeah? When it, it just feels like you're just in, in the bullseye. And um, I've, been, I've been doing this. I've been bringing my personal request to God. See, the Bible it instructs us not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything. And this needs to be our aim, to bring these requests before God. Not to worry, but to pray. I want you to bring everything to him. Your hopes, your dreams, your wants. You know, it's all right to bring your wants to God. Do you know that like, God wants you to have good things? If we're not careful, you let like, all kinds of weird teaching like, just seep in on both sides. But God wants you to have good things. What did God say when he made the earth? It is good. It's good. What did God say when he made Adam and Eve? It's good. They're very good. Yeah, this is very good. He didn't say, oh, it's all right. It's, no, he said, a bit, it's a bit too good. So like, let me make Adam a bit less good looking. <laughs> hey, Helen, she, she should be here. She, she's very lucky. She's got something very good. <laughs> but, but God wants you to have good things. It's okay to bring your wants to God. It's okay. Just don't get stuck there. Just don't get stuck there. It's okay. It's okay if you want to pray for that house or you need a car. That's okay. It's all right. Just don't get stuck there. Don't let that be the extent of your prayer. But it's okay to do that. My mum's modelled this for years. She's, um, she, she's, she's written down what she, want, she believes God is going to achieve in that year or what she needs. But it doesn't mean that that's the only thing that she's focused on. It's good to do that because you know what? When God does it, like... Mom, I can remember years ago, mum had this harebrained idea about building this house on this small piece of land. And we were like, we laughed. I can remember, we, we laughed about it because I can remember where we were. We were on holiday. And like, ha, 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 that's a silly idea. <laughs> and there's a house there today yeah. that's absolutely amazing. And no one could see it. But she saw it. She put it in her book and she looks back now and said, God, look at what you've done. Look what you've done. So we have to bring it all to God, our, our needs, our burdens, our fears. But the way we keep it healthy is by laying it at his feet. We bring it all to him and then we say, God, your will be done. This is what Jesus did in Matthew 26 when praying about going to the cross. He was under that much pressure that he swept blood. And, and we do this, don't we, sometimes? We don't see how a, like how a bad thing can be used for good. And, and Jesus was like literally going to his death, an excruciating death. And he says, look, God, like, if this can pass away, pass from me, take this cup from me. But your will be done. And this needs to be our prayer. God, look, I, I'm seeing it like this. God, I'd love you to do this. God, I'd, I'd love it if you'd open this door for me. God, I'd love it if you'd make this happen. But your will be done. My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I might want that relationship, but your will be done. I might want that job, but your will be done. I might want to end this tough situation, but your will be done. I might feel that I need the raise, but your will be done. It's an acknowledgement that he is good, that he is for us, that he is in the best position to know what we need. Yeah. 
And the way we leave our prayer in the right mentality, unburdened, free of anxiety and worry, free of envy and bitterness, is by laying it at his feet and then thanking him for what we do have. If you're just moaning, if you're just, you know, if you're just moaning at God, it's not prayer, it's moaning. Prayer is bringing it to God and laying it at his feet, knowing that he's for you and he's with you. We have to do what Jesus does. Realise all we have is given by God and thanking him for the good that we do have. You might not have much money right now, but God, I thank you for my family. I might not be in the best health at the moment, but God, I thank you that you've given me this day. Life might be tough for me right now, but God, thank you that you are my shepherd and you lead me and you guide me beside still waters. Come on, somebody. There is something to be thankful for today. You have a God who's on your side. You have a church family where you are accepted and loved. You have a saviour who wiped your slate clean. You have a place in heaven. You might not know this. You have a place in heaven if you've given your life to Jesus where the streets are paved with gold and Jesus himself will wipe away every tear. We have a reason to be thankful. Is there anybody who's thankful this morning that God is with us, that God is for us? Come on, if we're going to do it, let's thank him. God, we thank you. That you are with us and you are for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Come on, someone just thank you. Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, so in the midst of all of our, our stuff, all of our struggle and our pain and our hurt, which we acknowledge God is the reality at times of our lives, Lord, we choose to do what you did. Not our will, but your will. We thank you, God, for everything that you've given for us. And we're sorry when we've not realized that everything you give us is a gift. I want to say thank you for the gifts that you've given us this morning. Lord, and if we had nothing else in this world, we have you. And you are the greatest gift. There is no gift like you. And we thank you that you came to this earth and you died and you rose again for us. God, now I pray over Arena Mansfield this morning that we would be a people of prayer. That Jesus, we would pray like you. Lord, that we would pray for ourselves. God, that we'd pray that you would bless us and you would, and you would elevate us in our world, God. And as, as, as we pray that, I pray, Jesus, that you would open great doors over this congregation. Lord, opportunities, I pray, God. I pray for, for new seasons, Lord, for people to be taken into fresh seasons and fresh, wide-open spaces. God, I pray, Lord, that we would continue to live with that attitude of your will be done. I pray we would live and we pray our purpose. God, where people feel like they've got no purpose, I pray that you would show them their purpose. 
as they use what's in their hand. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Just um, remain in prayer just for one second. If there's anyone today, you don't know Jesus. Um, I trust you've, you know, God, you just felt the presence of God in this service. And you want to get to know Jesus. You want to start a relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, I just ask you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just ask you to lift your hand as a sign to you and to heaven that you want to know Jesus. Great. Great. I see your hands. Anyone else? Anybody else? Two guys who've lifted their hands. You can put your hand down now if you've raised it. I've seen you. Yeah, great. Lord, we... As I've said, Lord, you are the greatest gift. Lord, these two guys, I don't know the story, but you do. Lord, and I pray today that they would bring all of themselves to you, the good bits, the bad bits, the stuff where they get it a bit wrong, and the best bits of them as well, and they'd lay it all at your feet. Lord, I pray that they'd say sorry for the stuff they've done wrong, and they'd accept your free gift of salvation so that you wipe their slate clean. Lord, I pray that your wind would be at their back as they step into this new journey with you.